Welcome in to the latest edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. My name is Chris Inocero, joined by the always prepared and uh, always uh, sauced up on Mountain Dew, yeah. Jay Binkley. A lot of Mountain Dew. How you doing? I'm doing good, Chris. And it's fun that we got college football, a taste, which is backtrack a little bit. Yeah, just bit. a little bit of taste. Friday night, you and I love high school football. We, matter of fact, we used to do a high school football show on here at 610 yeah. Sports Radio, and we had a lot of fun. Great matchups around the city. I watched that uh, Lee Summit North, Liberty North game. What a game. Did you see One that? and two in the state. I watched on TV. Okay. I watched on TV. Yeah, I didn't go out there for it because that had a little bit of a rain delay, believe it or not, even though there hasn't been really rain in the city. But we had that Friday night. So I'm back in my routine, right? So it's Friday night, high school football, Saturday, college football, albeit I had to break away for a second and watch Kansas City Chiefs preseason football. But then, well, I actually had two TVs going, but then it was back yeah. to college football uh, the rest of the day. And Man, it's fun to have week zero back or a college football back in general, talking Heisman, talking all the the matchups, watching guys like uh, we watched with the Fisher and Alt, the linemen for Notre Dame that we said, hey, watch this. They they delivered. And yeah. Sam Hartman looked good right. at quarterback for Notre Dame. I had fun personally watching our old friend Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill, when, on the day shift, when Henry and I were on there, he used to join us every week when he's at Kansas State. He was our weekly guest. And he had all those health issues, remember, and the seizure and stuff. But he got that tattoo on his arm for New Mexico State because he told him, hey, win a bowl game and I'll get one. And he's coaching New Mexico State. They actually went 7-6 and six last year. They actually got themselves in a conference. It was fun to watch him and his successes. But that's, uh, that's what you get with college football, a little taste of stuff like that. But he's always such a great guy when he came on our show. So we're going to give you a, a preview of the week one matchups, what to watch for. We're obviously going to give you our Heisman watch here. Let's as, do it. Uh, as now Heisman Trophy season is upon us, and it's time for someone in the long list of players who who are eligible to set themselves away from the pack here very early. It's the one award I like. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, you like the Blitnikoff too. You talk no, about I, it the I do, time but the Heisman is just special, man. Yeah, it is. You know, guys climb and they yeah. they go down. They have bad games, but I've always I don't know what it is about this. I'm not a huge award guy. But I do follow the Heisman. Clearly, I used to do my Heisman list every week just for fun. And I like to watch the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And it's just one of those things I still enjoy. And then we also are going to preview the defensive back class for 2024. A recap of the Chiefs game from Saturday against the Browns. We're going to give you our watch list for week one. Teams, games you should watch for. Prospects in those games you should watch for as well. Plus, we'll give you our thoughts about the 2023 draft, as now we have the conclusion of the preseason here upon us. Guys are going to get cut, and we're going to tell you what, what some of these guys are doing that we have been keeping a track of. But I want to give you a quick recap of Week Zero for college football. Not a ton of great games. We obviously pointed to really a couple of games that you should be watching for. The first one, Notre Dame-Irish. Going against Navy, Dublin, Ireland, packed house, very big crowd, very interesting looking stadium. It's a soccer stadium there. And uh, the Irish absolutely destroyed Navy. It was not very competitive at all. It was, I mean, it, it looked very rough. I mean, you were, I remember watching it and I was just like, man, like this. And it was funny because, like, there were apparently there was like betters who were trying to say, take Navy plus the points. 
Um, no, no, they they were getting they were dominating Navy on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage, and you know when that happens in football, generally bad things happen for the team that's getting dominated. That's exactly what happened. It's that offensive line in Notre Dame. It's so good. Uh, you have a surefire top five to six pick in Joe Alt to tackle, and you have Lake Fisher over there on the other side as well. So both bookend tackles uh, for Notre Dame looking extremely good in in this game and. You know, and Sam Hartman, the quarterback. I mean, that's one of the things. That's the way college football's become now. And to me, Chris, this is why I go out there and get the preview magazines, whatever. Just figure out which quarterbacks wear. I mean, because college football right now, and this, the Heisman list we're going to get to in a minute, is dominated by players that played at another university. And now they're at somewhere else, like Sam Hartman, that basically set every ACC record of quarterback at Wake Forest, now leading Notre Dame. By the way, People used to tease Perry Ellis because he played forever in college basketball. Sam Hartman's played for, what, two decades in college football? Yeah, he's played forever. He's like, he had like five years of Wake Forest. Dude's played forever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of these guys have been around for a long time. I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of – obviously, we still have some of the remnants of the COVID era, so that's going to be something that happens there. But, yeah, I mean – and he looked good in the game, and they really didn't have any trouble dispatching Navy. Navy just – like when you play that kind of offense, wishbone offense, you have to pitch a perfect game against a team like Notre Dame. And they did not. Made a lot of mistakes. And they just there were a lot of times where like it was very easy for them to go out there and figure out exactly how to shut down a lot of those triple option plays that they were running. And it, it wasn't it was not a good show. Not gonna lie, I was going for that. I love the triple option. I, yeah. I do. I just love the intricacies of it. I like, you know, that's why I like playing EA sports and college football, because I love the option. And I, I know fun, we're in the spread and throwing the ball out. figure it out, though. But I like it. And when Georgia Tech used to yeah, run it, I, mean, Tech did it. I love the triple option. I people, like the wishbone. Old school, like 1970s, yeah. Barry Switzer wishbone. Yeah, they were running a lot of that. A lot of, tri- a lot of triple option plays. And it just was like, it was so obvious what they were going to do there. And, and Notre Dame knew every time how to counter it. They, it was like they, and, and you know, obviously not every everybody is like, heavy study into film and whatnot, it looked like they knew exactly what Navy was going to do every single time they snapped the ball. It was not very competitive. Watching him try to throw the football was not good at all. I do believe it was four touchdown passes Hartman had. Yes. It was four. That uh, tied a Notre Dame record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I took him, that took him a long time to get that, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what game? It was it was funny because like I, when I turned that game on, I was just you know watching. I was watching Alt. I was watching Fisher. And they were just dominate Fisher and all pushing those guys around it was like this isn't a good game to 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 evaluate these guys in because Navy is nowhere near their league they're not being challenged these yeah. guys are just significantly better athletes Navy did beat them like 2016 something like that Navy yeah I think them. they did lo- they did lose a game to yeah. to, to Navy years ago but Navy's fun to watch so it's I, they're interesting for it's a throwback yeah it's throwback it's, it's fun to watch yeah. yeah but they they were not at anywhere near the athletic level needed to sure. compete against a team like Notre Dame. The other big matchup there, um, USC versus San Jose State. Uh, USC won that game 56-28. Caleb Williams, the, the guy that we said to watch, 18-25, 278 yards, four touchdowns. Um, yeah, he, uh, he definitely looked the part. Wasn't really challenged a whole lot by the San Jose State defense. The one thing you do jump out, and this is one of the things I think uh, could be concerning for for USC, they gave up 28 points to a non-Power 5 school, and that's not a good look for a team that is looking to 
when whatever the remnants of the Pac-12, the last year we're going to have the Pac-12 in this current form. And it was a good team last year, though. It was a bowl team last year. Yeah, but like, but again, not in USC's class. Again, this is a group of five team. You are a team that a lot of people think could be. You're number six in the nation. You could be a team in the college football playoff. You can't give up that many points to a team like San Jose State. No, no, you can't. And that that is a concern. But man, that offense just. It's almost like they kept waiting to put their foot on gas. And they did. I mean, the offense was rolling down the field. Um, Caleb Williams, I thought, uh, looked good in this game. We had a great game, as a matter of fact. That's why he's still – he had a Heisman-like backup, backup the Heisman Trophy performance for Clay, Caleb Williams. But, again, that, that's what worries me about uh, USC this year. It's going to look so dominant. And again, this is this is a team, Chris, that I see going 6-0, and 7-0. and They're cruising along. And then all of a sudden they hit that stemming block. Maybe it's Washington on November 4th. They play the Huskies. They're at Oregon on uh, the 11th of November. But it's one of those games like you look back at and say, well, you know, could they hit that stumbling block at some point? But Caleb Williams, 278 yards passing, four touchdowns. Uh, was sacked a couple times, which was a little yeah. bit surprising uh, for him. But as far as the big the big time receivers that you expected to see, Mario Williams. Just a couple of catches in this one. That's kind of that uh, breakaway that threat there for USC. You really didn't see a lot uh, from him. One guy it, that jumped it, out, Zachariah Branch, freshman yeah. out of Vegas, uh, four catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. That's someone you might want to watch. They, they watch him and Dorian Singer. I mean, yeah. they're two, we're talking all Pac-12 preseason right. guys, but Singer and uh, and Williams didn't have the game. I mean, six combined catches for both right. those guys, and these guys are going to be you know eighty and ninety catches this year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, one of the guys, yeah, Zachariah Branch really impressed me from from what I saw from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the they score a lot of points against a team they should score a lot of points against, but you allowed twenty eight points to a, a, a group of five schools. So that's not the greatest look early in the season. For USC's sake, you got to shore that up. You can't go out there and if, if they can score 28 on you, what happens when you start playing the Oregons and the Washingtons and you're having to end UCLA and teams like that who are going to be in the mix late in the things, you sure as hell can't have teams like San Jose State setting that standard with 28 points at the beginning of the season. They're scary games to play, Week Zero. And the one thing about college football early on like this, you're not playing preseason. Like, that is go time. So if you see sloppy football and whatever in first games of college seasons, it's no preseason. You see how sloppy NFL football is in the preseason. It's, yeah. it's terrible. Even co- early season. It's a college football. Like, we're going to see this week, this weekend, yeah. Labor Day weekend, big matchups. You know, you get, you're sitting here in Florida and, and Utah. And then last we're seeing, year it was sloppy. And then you're seeing Florida State and LSU. We're seeing these, you know, yeah. it, it's it's go time. It's show up and play time. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it, it – this is the it's one of the tough parts of and this is the reason why those teams generally they they get those punching bag teams that they can just blow out by 40 50 points so that they can ensure that these guys get used to getting hit again and get used to executing the offense and defense so they have that under their belt they can shake off some of that rust and you know this is a better school than what you would normally face in uh in that first week but still you know you're six in the nation. You're a team that is looking to compete. Uh, giving up 28 to a team like San Jose State, not the best look. And it should be noted as well. Like, these games, yeah. <laughs> when you think about the Pac-12, seriously, and you wonder why that whole conference dissolved right in front of us. When you have a team like USC playing on Pac-12 Network, 
when we saw high school football and you name it on ESPN, Chris. Yep. There's you. There's so many people I know that want to watch Caleb Williams play. And they don't have Pac-12 Network. And there's no reason to get it. There's seven channels on Pac-12 Network, by the way. They have six for the regional teams, and they have one national one for Pac-12 Network. Yeah. I still have that package. But, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I couldn't watch the game. I had to watch the highlights. Which sucks because you're the Heisman Trophy winner. And you're talking to, they're playing a bowl team right. from the year before. You know, we're not sitting here talking about New Mexico State versus UMass. Right. You know, that you could see on TV. Yeah, it's not the smartest move for them. It's one of the biggest reasons why they're in the position that they're in right now. Um, so I want to go get over, go over to week one preview matchups, the biggest matchups to watch out for. Um, starting with Thursday, Florida, Utah, my Florida Gators taking on Utah Utes, a team that won the Pac-12 last year, a team that Florida won against last year at the Swamp. Um, this is not... A Florida team that a lot of people have expectations for. They got Graham Mertz out there from Kansas City. Yeah, Blue Valley North uh, Blue went Valley to Wisconsin. North, yeah. yeah, he went to Wisconsin, transferred there after last season, won the starting job at Florida. So uh, Billy Napier, second year at Florida, starting off with Utah again in Utah. So that'll be a tough match. And, and Cam Rising, their quarterback, he's a stud quarterback. I mean, the yeah. Pac-12, I'll be honest with you, Pac-12's got some fun quarterbacks. Yeah, I forgot to bring up Utah in the Pac-12 well, as far got, as USC. You got Penix out there at Washington that's yeah. you know kind of a Heisman guy. Bo you got Bo Nix in Oregon. You got Caleb Williams at USC. And Cam Rising, but we don't know 100% if Cam Rising's 100% or if he's going to play. That's been the right, big mystery right. is his health, the quarterback. at the. So it would be a nice little battle between Mertz in Cam Rising, but I'm not 100% sure we're going to see yeah. all of Rising. The other big notable Thursday matchup, South Dakota taking on Mizzou in uh, Mizzou's opener for the season. This is going to be a very crucial year for Eli Trinkwitz. If he does, if they do not, if they're not in the mix in the East, obviously I don't think anybody expects them to win the East. You know, you've got Georgia, you got you got Florida, yeah, back to back you got Tennessee, you know, like nobody's expecting them to win the East. But if they're not competitive this year, drink's probably done in at Missouri. And it's a high profile job. I'll never forget, I think it was Barry Switzer at one point said if he could coach somewhere else where to be. And I, I think he mentioned Missouri because you're thinking of a state that populated. One division, one team. I mean, you look around and Kansas got two of them. Kansas, yeah, Kansas Mizzou State. doesn't have any competition Iowa, in the Iowa state. Iowa State. You're Mizzou, right there in the middle. Get great. You got a ton of talent out of St. Louis. Always had that. Always. But now you got a bunch of blue chips out of Kansas City, including mm-hmm. the number three prospect in the nation, Williams Nawari for Nawari from uh, Lee Seven North. That's going to Missouri next year. But you're right. Drinkwitz needs to win this year. He, he he also needs to show the fan base he can recruit, which he has done that with Luther yeah, Burden done, done when he pretty, came there and Sam Horn, the quarterback. Yeah. And now Williams coming in there. He's got the good recruiting, but you got to got to start winning games. Yeah, and that's the one thing he hasn't done. He showed it last year in, in 22 with this class then. Good class there. This this past year, this past recruiting class, not quite not as nearly as good. Which is funny that they gave Georgia their toughest game. Right. They probably and, should have beat Georgia, to be quite honest with yeah, you. Yeah, but they didn't. But and, they should have. And then and then this year, I mean, Nawaneri really kind of saved no, has no really kind of saved their their recruiting class because it was not looking good at all before that. Uh, they were right around sixty, so uh, got to do better recruiting for sure. But definitely have to do better with with winning as well. Um, going on to Friday's matchup, Mo State KU, and uh, you know that obviously Leipold. We'll see if he can continue this magic that he kind of worked on KU last year. 
Uh, Miami of Ohio taking on Miami, Florida down in uh, South Beach. You've got those two those two schools going off. We've talked about this before. Miami's going to be a team to watch because they've got some really good offensive line prospects there, two really good tackles there. Um, so that's going to be a game to watch for sure. Uh, Saturday, big slate, tons of great games, tons of interesting players to watch for. Well, not great games, but tons of interesting teams to watch for. You got SEMO, K-State, which if you're into the offensive line play, Cooper Beebe is going to be a guy. Top that, 15 uh, draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Probably, you know, probably going to be maybe – Maybe what the second, first or second guard. Will Howard get himself in the Heisman conversation? Yeah, yeah. that's going to be interesting as well. I mean, Kleiman last year did real good work with that squad. They lost a lot of players in the draft. Now we're going to have to see if they can go out there and uh, and kind of retool and compete for the Big Twelve again. I've got my slate already written out. I'm going to watch UMass. It was so bad last year. They went against New Mexico State Auburn at two thirty. Yeah, but I'm also going to be watching that Ohio State Indiana. At 2.30 as well. 11 a.m. I want to see Dion in Colorado. Colorado TCU? Take on TCU, the 17th ranked uh, Horn Frogs. Uh, Which I think they might be a little bit overrated there at 17. I think there's, they, if there's any team on upset watch this weekend, TCU's on up, upset watch, I think. And I think one of the uh, one of the highlight games that we're going to see, Chris, um, throughout the on Saturday and I don't know if we'll agree on this one or not, but it's a rivalry game. They don't always play every year. They used to. Not at all is uh, North Carolina, North Carolina, South Carolina. South. So you see Drake yeah. May, a, mm-hmm. you know, possibly top two or three players selected in, in, in this year's draft as a quarterback and going against South Carolina. So it's Spencer Rattler. And you probably remember him. He had a good year last year for South Carolina. Yep. Um, transferred from Oklahoma, where at one point he was looked to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He's at South Carolina, so that game's six thirty on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's weird. Usually those those rivalry games like that are saved for later in the season. So for them to do it week one is certainly not something I think any of us were expecting. There, I was very surprised when I saw that up there. Um, they also have another tight end prospect to watch out for, Bryson Nesbitt, as well. Um, so especially here in Kansas City, as we kind of look around for tight ends. That's a, a big option there. One team I think is going to be really interesting, full of prospects, Texas. Quinn Ewers, you got uh, Jatavian Sanders, a tight end there. Um, they've got some pretty good, pretty stud interior linemen there. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy the second are two guys you want to watch out for as well. There's a lot of really good players um, on that Texas team. Xavier Worthy? Yeah, Xavier Worthy is another one. That's, that's watch it for Chiefs fans, yes, wide receiver. Yeah, Um that's a team that could very well be in the mix later in the season. We'll we'll see how they how they shake things shake out there. We kind of it seems like we're saying that almost every other year. Yeah. Um, obviously, you want to continue to watch Notre Dame as well. They they face Tennessee State this week. Um, Georgia, Brock Bowers. I don't think he's going to be available for the Chiefs, but you never know. Um, Brock Bowers is going to be a very interesting player. Could be top five. Best tight end I've seen in a long time. He just has that it factor. Yeah, all he's done is won two national titles this two years at Georgia. Correct. He's he's getting the comparisons to like Kelsey's name throwing out in Gronk, yeah, yeah. and that's the best pass receiving option they had. So good that Darnell Washington, the great tight end we liked, that went to Pittsburgh wasn't even starting. Wasn't even starting because of Brock Bowers. Now I've seen I've seen mock drafts with Brock Bowers going from sixth to fourteenth, or even sixteenth. So. If there's something you say, well, can the Chiefs get down there with the Could one? They're, they're not going to get down there with their one because they're going to be picking 31 or 32. 
But if they could package something else in, yeah, they're not getting Marvin Harrison. Like I look at players that could help the Kansas City Chiefs in the draft. Nobody really stood out to me last year, and I said that's a Chiefs player right there. Yeah. Like I guarantee, it. Brock Bowers is. Yeah, like that is something we talk about. Kelsey, what's going to be the eventual Kelsey replacement? If you want to go Tony Gonzalez to Kelsey to Brock Bowers, he's the one guy I say, okay, this is a cheat. This is somebody that they need. And let's put it this way. If he slips down to 10 to 14, I don't think so. I think he's a top five pick in the draft. And I think if you don't take him top five in the draft, teams are making a huge monumental mistake on, on not doing it. But yes, the Chiefs feasibly, theoretically, probably could get down unless he gets taken like five or six then they're they're screwed yeah 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 like i said he could be top five if he goes top five there but i would not be shocked if he fell to somewhere in the mid-teens um alabama's gonna be another team to watch full of defensive prospects um dallas turner could be the top pass rusher in this draft class we'll see i think him him and versus florida state the top two yeah and then chris braswell another edge rusher that they have someone else to watch for plus they've got the top db the top cornerback in this draft class at least right now in kool-aid kool-aid so you definitely want to watch out for that team as well um not quite as much hype around alabama this year is what we've seen but lowest ranking preseason for what fourth and yeah the one thing about bama is chris is they uh this is a little snack they got this week against uh, Middle Tennessee State. But the bottom line is, the following week they play Texas. So when you talk about big-time prospects to watch, Texas Texas gave them some issues in Alabama. Last time. What's that? Texas gave them some issues last time they played. They, they did. And they probably should have beat them, to be honest with you. But Texas is uh, in week two there against Alabama. And I think, I mean, it's, that's the marquee game to watch. It's going to be a 6 o'clock at yeah. night game. But yeah. Texas at Alabama, you, you, Quinn Ewers, I mean, there's stars all over the place. You mentioned right. all the Texas players, Alabama players. But we got to wait a week for that one. That was the big one, yeah. not this week, but next week. The, the biggest one of the week, though, of the weekend, though, Labor Day, LSU, Florida State, big-time matchup there. Uh, you're talking about two teams who have quarterbacks that are being discussed in the Heisman race. Um, LSU is a team. I think a lot of people, you were, you were pretty high on them. A lot of people are pretty high on LSU this year. Um, and then on top of that, Florida state not quite been able to capture that magic of the last few years, but late last year, you did see some improvement in that team. They certainly are kind of showing something. That's a that's a big match. That's easily your biggest matchup of the week right there. LSU, Florida State, Monday night. LSU 5, Florida State 8. Florida, LSU uh, two-and-a-half point favorites on the road um, in this game. I, I guess you consider it on the road. They're, is this game they're doing this in Orlando, right? I believe, yeah. I believe it's a neutral side game. Is but, it Orlando, but still they're going down to Florida. But I couldn't remember if it's Orlando or not that they're playing this game, and I could be wrong on that. 100% sure where that is. But regardless, that's the game. And I like this the first weekend of college football, the Labor Day weekend, how they space these things out. Yeah. I mean, this deserves to be standalone game. Yeah, it absolutely deserves to be that standalone game there. Um, and it, it like I said, it's going to be a, a very big matchup there. Um, moving on to the Heisman watch. These odds are according to FanDuel, by the way. Right now, Caleb Williams leading the Heisman watch plus 900. Right after him, number two. Which, by the way, no one's ever won it back-to-back except for Archie Archie Griffin. Griffin, That's it. The the person with the next best odds is uh, Jaden Daniels, quarterback out of LSU, plus plus 1,000. 
You've got two quarterbacks after him who are plus 1,200. Uh, quarterback Jordan Travis from Florida State and quarterback Quinn Ewers out of Texas. So, you know, very quarterback heavy. We still, and we, we talked about this before about Marvin Harrison Jr. having the ability to win the Heisman this year. A um, lot of quarterbacks ahead of him, though, on this on this list. Right after Ewers is Kate Klubnick from Clemson, plus 1,400. Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington, plus 1,600. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, also 1,600, plus 1,600. J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, plus 1,800. Bo Nix, Oregon, plus 1,800. Drake May, North Carolina, plus 1,800. And now we get to, there was actually a lot more other guys, but like I had to be realistic there who actually was going to actually compete for this. Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State wide receiver, plus 3,000 to win the Heisman Trophy. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you want to get some 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 good value here, I think this is a good this is good value here. You know, it plus three thousand means that the odds aren't great. But I'm gonna tell you this: if Ohio State, who's got a lot of prospects, is in the college football playoff, you know who's gonna get the credit? Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. He is great. Two top ten receivers. He, the yeah, two top ten receivers with with him and uh, Egbuka. But he is by far the best receiver in the nation. It's very obvious who's number one. He very well could be in play for the number one overall pick, depending on who gets it. Um, Absolute Marvin Harrison Jr. If you want to, if you want a long shot here, I, I would definitely go him plus three thousand. And then the fun thing too is with Jaden Daniels, the quarterback at LSU, plus one thousand. Jordan Travis, the uh, quarterback of Florida State, again they play each other. Yeah. This weekend at plus twelve hundred, they're number two and three in the odds. The highs. Yes. It, which is this is going to fluctuate? The winner of this game will be sitting right there behind Clay, Caleb Williams. The mm-hmm. winner of this football game. So this is a big Heisman Trophy type matchup. Yeah. With these guys. I have a top five out as well, and I don't know what's considered. You know, I like putting top fives out there. I put Caleb Williams clear number one. Yeah, even to repeat, it doesn't bother me. I have Marvin Harrison Jr. second. You know, well, I guess you better put some money on Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison Jr. And number three, I'm going JJ McCarthy, who's sitting at plus eighteen hundred. I like JJ McCarthy a ton. Big arm leading that Michigan Wolverines team. I think they have a great chance at a national title. Drake May at four and. um, in five, um, maybe Jaden Daniels at LSU. Again, yeah. if he doesn't win this game against Florida State, that drops down. But I clearly see this guy in the in the SEC title game. And then a couple more dark horses I want to throw out there. Oh? A couple more. Blake Corum out of Michigan, plus 5,000. Does it scare you that he's going to be sharing time with Donovan Edwards? Yeah, that does. But if he's clearly the number one guy, I mean, look, Michigan's loaded. He, he made a run on it last year he for did. Heisman. He did. And he, they're loaded. They got a lot of talent there. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you this right now. If Michigan does not get into the college football playoff, it will be one of the most disappointing seasons we've had and, since the And my guy, started. J.J. McCarthy, might be taking votes from him. Yeah, They exactly, might take exactly. votes for each other. Exactly. But I think I think Corum is, is going to be a little bit more important than McCarthy. Uh, Donovan Edwards still, great option as well. Um, but, yeah. Corum plus five thousand, Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Which I'm gonna tell you this right now. A tight end with Georgia, Georgia. If you are going to tell me that Georgia gets back into the college football playoff, Bowers has got to be at the top of that list because he's by far the best player on that team. I think Bowers plus five thousand as well. I like the fact he's in this list. I think like Brock Bowers because you don't see tight end. That's how special this kid is. I know. <laughs> so. I know. Like he's he's right there. 
I mean, he's a long shot still. It's, those are still those are not great odds. Those are way worse odds than anyone else out there uh, that has a realistic chance. But still, like that's a guy I think is going to get some consideration if he plays. If he puts up like wide receiver one numbers this year, like he was doing last year, and they are a prominent team in the SEC again, I think he's got to get that. He's that the best game. receiver on the national. And keep this in mind too. Everybody talks about the vaunted Georgia defense. They finished eighth in the country last year. That offense, Chris, sixth. The Georgia offense was actually better nationally than their defense was. The, the year before that, much different. That was about the defense, but that offense really came alive for Georgia. It's going to get the Carson back now, the quarterback, uh, taking over things at Georgia. So uh, this weekend, one of those uh, young guys that we talked about heavy in the uh, in the draft season really showed out. This past weekend, there it's our guy Hunter Luke. Yeah, you know, fullback in North Dakota State. People might think this is silly, but you know what? I did get tweets talking about how this was uh, our guy. It was our guy because you and I talked about Hunter Luke. Chiefs decided not to go the fullback route. We told you this kid just is not a quote running back. He's a fullback, an H back, tight end, whatever you want to put him. I don't know. It was a preseason game against the Raiders, but he did have 58 yards rushing. He was averaging uh, well over four yards a carry, but that last carry he had in that game, because at 53 yards, when he got the 58, it came down. Yeah. But he had five catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown as well. So he does it all. And again, you and I were talking fullbacks later around. Hunter Loopke was the undrafted guy, too, Chris. He wasn't even drafted. No. This was a steal by the Dallas Cowboys. It was a steal, and uh, we were salivating at what he could have done in the Chiefs system. And it's very unfortunate. I mean, it's very fortunate he ended up with Dallas. How in the hell can you not throw a seventh-round dart at Hunter Luke? I know. I mean, serious. Or at least, like, really push to sign him as an undrafted free agent. But, but you just know, throwing that dart in the seventh round, he's got to yeah, come there. I know. I thought I thought, <laughs> I, I thought he would have been a shoe-in to make the team. I mean, I, I thought he would have had a great opportunity to help them out in short yardage situations. Oh, yeah. Not only as a runner, but as a, as a, as a receiver as well. He's a very good receiver. And I, it sucks to see him with the Cowboys, <laughs> but I hope him the best. I hope he has a good career in the NFL. Like I think he will. Like I think you think he will. And uh, hopefully things turn out well for him. It was just kind of fun to throw that out there because we did talk yes, about him. We a lot. did talk about him a lot, and we probably will bring up players that do well that we talked about. Yes. We probably oh, won't bring we'll, up we'll the players. We'll brag about them. We have to be fair about it. If they suck, we'll bring it up. Yeah, we'll bring it up. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to get into our, our preview for the defensive back position for the 2024 draft. There are a lot of good DBs to watch for this year. Um, the biggest name I think jumps out, obviously, for corner, Kool-Aid McKinstry out of Alabama. Um, great, great talent, ball hawking type corner, play man coverage, play zone. He does everything you want. This guy is, I think, got a very good chance to be top five, especially if you've got a team that, because like, I'm not sold that like the Panthers and the and Houston Texans are going to have good years this year. So I can see, I could totally see Houston being top five again this year, and they they already drafted Derek Stingley Jr. Um, in 2022. Could very well see them go McKinstry here in the first round of next year's draft to kind of shore up their defensive back situation a little I bit. I mean, he's more. he's over six foot. He's six one. He's listed at six one. Six about one, one ninety five. Yeah. So Kool Aid's got the size that you would want. Yeah, and then 
Uh, it's gonna be fun to watch two weeks from now when they play Texas, and you get yeah. Xavier Worthy and yeah, and good stuff matchup. Like that There's gonna be some great good matchups, matchups there. Uh, another guy though, who played with one of our uh, favorite DBs from uh, from last year, a guy by the name of Kalen King, cornerback out of Penn State, played opposite of uh, 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 Joey Porter Jr., who we were in love with as a corner. It, it's funny, like we thought he would go middle of the first round. He ended up going. Early in the second round by the Steelers. Steelers were able to... It to, to be a Steelers just earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We thought it would be a, a much earlier situation. But he's going to be a guy to watch. Clemson... In good size. He's 5'11". Yeah, 5'11", Yeah, so he's 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 got good size to him as well. A lot of these guys are like right around the, the six-foot mark. Nate Wiggins out of Clemson, 6'2", 185. Corner out of Clemson. Um Cooper DeJean out of Iowa, 6'1", 207. Josh, uh, not Josh, yeah, Josh Newton, TCU corner, 5'11", 189. But there's a couple of guys who are kind of on the freakish side to watch out for. You talking Georgia? No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay. Michigan's got this kid, Maureen Walker, <laughs> Michigan. 6'3", 180. Yep. Huge. Wide receiver sized. Same height as Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., Gonna be a matchup to watch out for when they play each other uh, this fall, and then another, another kind of freak guy. Not a big school. Colby Taylor out of Wyoming, six four, one ninety, same height as uh, Sauce Gardner, who really kind of blew up a couple years ago when he was at Cincinnati and ended up being the top. Was he the top corner? No, he's the second corner taken second. in the draft behind uh, Stingley Jr. Ended up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year and uh, is looking like he's one of the very few shutdown corners early in his career, mind you. Well, besides Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think Alabama's got two more. Malachi Moore and Terry Terry Arnold. Arnold. So there's three corners that they have that will probably be drafted pretty early in this draft. And again, it's all about that Texas matchup and what they're doing and Quinn Ewers, if he's actually a first-round quarterback or not. But three corners uh, from Alabama, shocker. Um, They've been putting that out. And also Georgia. I think about the uh, just again these teams with two corners. Uh, Kamari Lassiter comes yes. in about five eleven, five twelve, and then on the same team, Javon Bullard on the other side that comes in over six foot. So two great corners for George as well. So yep. The SEC once again loaded. In Ohio State's got a kid named Denzel Burke uh, that you absolutely want to watch for. Another guy, Max Melton at a Rutgers is another uh, highly touted. Denzel, by the way, is almost six two. Yes, yeah. So they there's there's some size here at corner in this year's draft. There were some smaller corners in in uh, this past year's draft, but next year's draft going to be a little bit more size there. Moving on to safety, um, kid out of uh, Miami, Cameron Kinchins, six foot two oh five. There's there's a, all these guys are six feet tall here that I'm that I've seen here. There's this kid at Ohio State. I thought this was a typo when I saw it. Sunday Styles, 6'5", 228, playing safety. I, I thought this was a typo, and I cannot, I could not believe that that's what he was. He's basically a linebacker, like a little bit of an undersized linebacker. They, they have two, playing safety. They have two safeties like that. Uh, yeah, Lafayette La- Ransom. Lathan Ransom, Ransom. Uh, 6'2", 11, who is another guy that you should oh, be Oh, and Josh Proctor that's also back there for Ohio State. Yes. Yeah, uh, Michigan's got a guy named Rod Moore who's six foot two hundred. Uh, USC got this kid named Kalen Bullock, six three one eighty five one ninety five. So you're talking again, good height on these guys. Minnesota, Tyler Newbin, uh, six two two ten. 
a lot of taller safeties are in this draft class. If the Chiefs did not see some good things coming out with Tremari Connor, I think that this would be a great year because I don't think Justin Reed's going to be with the team after after you this want year. a guy that could play nickel, shut down the yeah. And here's the thing. They might still be in the in the in the uh, market to get a late round safety. We might as well bring up Kenny Logan Jr. from, yeah. Lawrence, from the Jayhawks, probably a top twenty safety yeah. in this year's uh, draft class. Yeah, I mean Georgia, Javon Bullard. You know they've got a they've got another good safety there. Utah, Cole Bishop. I had Bullard kind of a corner though for the NFL. Yeah, and that's but that's the thing though is like he could do both. He could do both, and we yeah, know that the Chiefs value that he could if he could do corner and safety. He's a prime candidate for being third safety because that was one of the things about Shamari Connor that made him so interesting was that he was a an option as a slot corner or as a safety. He was a, a really, really important player for that. So if you have a guy like that that can be corner or safety, that can play slot, can play safety, there's tons of value there. So I actually think this is a, a pretty good, probably pretty deep DB class this year. I think especially at safety, you've got a lot of guys with a lot of good size. As long as their uh, athleticism matches what they, they bring in size, you could be looking at finding a lot of good value in this in this draft class, I think. Yeah, 100%. And keep him, just keep watching SEC. <laughs> a lot yeah, of these quarters all these guys, they're all SEC or Big right Ten. Out of there. It's SEC or Big Ten. Though I will say this, if we're going by Brett Veach's track record. Oh, by the way, Bullard had uh, two interceptions in that TCU title game. Yeah. I, I will say this, though. If we're going to go by Brett Veach's track record, we probably can't expect them to draft the Ohio State guys. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. We can't, we can't really count on that. So I, I wanted to get into um, preseason game number three for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of impressive young guys in this draft in, in, you know, that we saw perform on Saturday. Who were you most impressed by in Game Three of the preseason for the Chiefs from uh, from the the young prospect perspective? Well, I think several things were settled. Obviously, I could say Amir Smith Morset, the wide receiver, but yeah, he's not, my guy, he's not going to. I think he's not going to make the team. I'm though. not. I don't. I don't think he will either. But he should. I don't think he's going to make the team. But I will. I will say this too. You, know, you think about that. I think the backup quarterback was settled. And something we talked about before when I said. Right, who do you want to play? Who who do you trust for that drive, like against the Jaguars? Blaine Gabbert or Shane Bouchelle? Listen, I like I like all three of them. You know, and the nice quarterback room, even though I saw a tweet out there, I think from Pro Football Focus, that said, stop talking about best quarterback rooms. That's Patrick Mahomes and three empty chairs. Yeah, we <laughs> that's yeah, what the best. Of course. And Shane Bouchelle's development or whatever. What are you going to develop him to play for the Broncos, the Dolphins? No. No. It doesn't matter his development. What matters is winning games because he's Who's, never going to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. So if he develops, fine, but it's not going to be with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think Blaine Gabbard showed with that in, in Rasheed Rice yeah. uh, dropped an easy right. touchdown yeah. um, from there too. But you got to be able to trust the guy to come in there and facilitate the game plan. I'm, I'm going to say LaMichael Pirine. I mean, he solidified his spot on that team with that performance, both catching the ball out of the backfield, making some nifty runs, the way he shifted, the way he spun. But to me, LaMichael Pirine made this roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you can make an argument he runs the ball better than Clyde. Yeah. I I I this I thought this when they when I saw that he was on the roster in the spring, because I was a little surprised. I was like, really? They got I was like, and Im- immediately when I saw that, I was like, oh man, Prince is gonna be in for a fight to make this roster. Cause Pirine, that kid, A, he was really good at Florida. He was very good at Florida. He was underutilized, but he was very good at Florida. B, 
he was underutilized when he was with the Jets because he came in with the Jets. And I remember saying, I was like, dude, like if Piran gets a shot there, you know, obviously, you know, they've they had uh, Michael Carter at the time because he came in before Brees Hall. And and I was like, Michael Carter, very good running back. But like Piran should be getting some touches because he's underrated, just like Damian Pierce was last year with the Texans. Very underrated. And he was one of the best running backs in the league until he got hurt. Um, so, yeah, I've been saying this for a while, like. Pirine is a is a good running back who was underutilized in college and has been so in the league, and he really he he earned himself a roster spot this past Saturday. He proved that he belongs with this team. And the thing that really kind of jumped out to me: yes, he can break tackles, he can catch passes, he's very physical as a runner. He reminds you a lot of Isaiah Pacheco, who they really like. They really like him running that style. He's very he's got a high motor on him. Piran's the exact same way. And so I think he impressed me a lot and I think he so I don't think he just made the team. I think he earned carries. Yeah, I think he earned carries. I, especially early in the season. Early in the season cuz like Clyde will probably get some carries, he'll get some touches, but like we know how it is with Clyde. Going to get hurt, going to drop some passes, going to make some mistakes and he's going to get passed up on the depth chart like he has been like it's been happening to him his entire career. P. Ryan very, could very quickly become a staple in the uh, offense behind Pacheco. And I think that would be really great for the team because I think he brings to you everything that you want in a backup running back. And on top of that, he might be someone that could help wean you off of Jarek McKinnon. Even though I like Jarek and he's been very valuable to this team, Orlando Brown Jr. and uh, and uh, Andrew Wiley should send him some money because <laughs> of how much he was helping them in the passing game. But man, like P. Ryan, P. Ryan he showed he got it. And I think running back, I, I likened this earlier to uh, remember Ned Yost in 14 and 15 and stuff like that. I mean, he had a great, you kind of knew who 7, 8, 9 is. But there, there were some times there where they had to decide, okay, yeah. who's, what are we doing in the 6? What for sure are we going to do in the 7th? But it's that feel, the feel of trust that you have for managers right. deciding their bullpen. Because you don't know it right away. Like the first month of the season, you don't know. You're trying guys out there, see who fits. And I look at that when I look at the Chiefs wide receivers and the running backs. Like who, who's going to stand up and shine when they play regular season? When lights are on, who are going to be those guys that you trust? And I think there's still some uncertainty with both the Chiefs receivers and running backs. And I think, yeah, there, there's certain locks you're going to see a lot. You're going to see MVS a lot in Sky Moore. Right. But I think there's a whole bunch of, you know, who are you going to trust Rice in here in the situation or Watson or Richie James? Who are you going to trust? And I think a lot like major league managers look for who they trust in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, you're going to see that with the quarterback or with the wide receiver and running back play. Right. Yeah. And so. There's there's a lot. I th- I mean, we obviously know this team is very very confident with playing young players. So it would not shock me if guys no. like that who, who are another guy you brought up who has really risen. I think very quietly too. You're not hearing like you're hearing stuff about him, but you're not. There isn't the same kind of hype as there was in some of those young guys last year. Shamari Connor. Shamari Connor has really shown that he. I think he's earned. I think. He's going to be their preferred third safety over Mike Edwards. He's already getting snaps with the one. Yeah, uh, Spags singled him out, talked about him, his versatility. You you want to play nickel corner? He can do, he it. Can do it. You want to play safety? He can play mm-hmm. safety. Um, he, he's a shutdown tight end type guy that you put over tight ends. Yep. He's a great hitter. Loves to hit. He can blitz. Plays all four phases of special teams. Yep. Blitzes like we've been talking about. Led Virginia Tech in sacks as a defensive back. 
in 2019, which doesn't happen. It was like five and a half sacks. But still, for a defensive back, and what do the Chiefs like to That's do? That's really good. Defensive back. Five and a half sacks from a DB? They do. will take it. That's why I, that was my favorite Chiefs draft pick. Yeah. And it was like, okay, no, it was Shamari Connor in the fourth round. That was my favorite pick because of the versatility. Just screamed Chiefs to me and the way he plays. Legarius Sneeze yeah, coming up for a contract. Yeah. That, you know, you get ahead of the game. Yeah, we're not even talking about an extension for Sneed. We're, no. we're not at all talking. So we know what the game is. Sneed knows what the game is. Shamari Connor. And, and Connor really was kind of drafted, I think, to be the Sneed replacement because of the versatility. Um, so I. Now I want to get to our week one watch list. These are the games. These are the prospects in the games that you should be watching out for. Um, want to start on Friday. These are all, this is Miami versus Miami. I, I clearly, they were, they signed this whole thing just for the marketing purposes. <laughs> um, three players. I think you guys should be watching for, for the chiefs, both tackles on Miami's offensive line, Zion Nelson, Francis Maui Goa, who are, both going to be, I mean, I think Zion Nelson is probably going to be for a potential first round tackle. Maui Goa could be a second day guy, could work his way up to the first round. The Chiefs are going to be in play for at least one tackle. I think actually probably just one tackle this year. Going to be in play for one tackle for sure. I don't think Donovan Smith's going to be on this team next year. So we'll see if it's going to be left tackle or right tackle. We'll see how comfortable they are moving a guy. I think in all likelihood they probably will move. Uh, Jawan Taylor over to left tackle and then start whoever it is at right tackle just because, and you've brought this up many times on this podcast, Andy Reid doesn't like to put rookies in at, at right at left tackle. No. He just doesn't. So whoever it is. That or quarterbacks. Even Mahomes couldn't start his first I know, even though Mahomes <laughs> was better than Alex, but he still was like, nope, you got you to gotta sit behind Alex for a year. But absolutely, this is going to be uh, any teams that have good tackles, you should be watching those games because they're going to be uh, teams to watch out for. I'll add two safeties for Miami, too. Cameron Kitchens Cameron and Kitchens. James Williams, so the safety play right. for Miami as well. Yeah, I'm not 100%. I mean, I think late-round safety is probably more so. I think Kitchens probably goes a little too early. Probably, what, latest, early, like late second round, early third round maybe. So maybe he plays his way into the first round if he has a really good year. Uh, I've seen some people say he's like the top rated safety in this class. So we'll see where his value is. Um, another guy I think they could be in play for. Another position. Defensive tackle, Leonard Taylor. We don't know what's going to happen with Chris Jones. We don't know if it's going to be just the rest of this year. Even if they sign a long-term extension with him, they still have to think about the future at that position. Who's going to play next to him because... Uh, Omenahue's only on a two-year deal. What happens if he doesn't pan out? You got to think about that. Leonard Taylor the third out of out of Miami is going to be another guy to watch. Obviously, Notre Dame, Tennessee State, both of those tackles again. Old Joe Fisher. Walt, Blake Fisher. Got to watch them. Watch them all year long. They dominated against Navy. That's another one to watch. Also, another guy in that game, uh, defensive tackle Riley Mills for Notre Dame. They crushed that Navy offensive line. They were disrupting all of their run plays. Triple option. They had a hard time uh, being able to run that with guys like him sitting up the middle. That's going to be another guy to watch for because I think he could be in play there. Then Rice in Texas. I mean, look, Texas is full of guys. You you should be watching. If you like the Heisman Trophy race, you should be watching Quinn Ewers. If you want to watch a guy who could be a first-round quarterback, Quinn Ewers. One guy, though, that I think you and me like, Jatavian Sanders, tight end, tight Texas. End. That's going to be a, 
I, I think it could be the first round position. I think they he's don't go second tackle. best tight end in the draft this Me too. year. And Me the too. guy mocked to the Chiefs quite a bit when yes. they when they look at that. If he's not able to get Bowers, mm-hmm. then you could theoretically probably sit there at the end of the first round and get him. There's a couple guys there. Xavier Worthy, uh, their wide receiver for Texas right. as well. Yep, Xavier Worthy as well. Plus, also they got a defensive tackle in Tavondre Sweat. Um, UT Martin in Georgia, Brock Bowers. That's the big guy. Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers. Got to watch that guy. And Bullard plays safety in yes. the corner and things yes. like that. We talked about the great defensive backs in Georgia. Yeah, they always got good D- DBs there. Um, definitely want to watch, though. Like I said, Brock Bowers. See what Bowers does. Ohio State, Indiana. Ohio State's full of talented players all throughout. Two guys, though, I'm really interested in to know. Both of their DTs. They got Michael Hall Jr. And they have Tyleek Williams. I'm really interested in those guys. Again, I think if you're the Chiefs, somewhere in the first three rounds, you've got to be looking at defensive tackle just for depth and also for potential Chris Jones replacement if things go wrong with the current situation with them. And with Ohio State, you never know. I mean, um, JT Tumalo yeah. and Jack Sawyer, yeah. the edge rushers really for good Ohio at, State. Their D-line so is they great. Have, they almost have two. You think about positions, they have two of everything. Yes. Wide receiver, they bouquet with Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Two of everything They recruit so well. Yeah. They, but will the Chiefs go <laughs> Ohio State? Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, that's and that's the one thing that's the one thing I was reticent about <laughs> putting this list together. It's like they don't have any Ohio State guys. They just Veach does not but draft Ohio State Marvin, guys. Two best receivers, yes. Ohio State. So. Yeah, two best receivers in the draft class, more than likely. I've seen uh, Igbuka right behind Neighbors from LSU as uh, the number three guy. I've seen but Xavier Worthy. It's inter- in there. Yeah, I've seen Xavier Worthy is there as well, so it's interchangeable. But certainly two of the top five receivers are going to be playing for Ohio State this year. Um, LSU, Florida State. Uh if the Chiefs needed an edge rusher, obviously Jared Verse, though they're probably not going to get him because he's he's probably going to be top ten. But probably the, top five. Yeah, probably top five. The guy I'm looking for, though, LSU defensive tackle Mason Smith. This kid is a beast, and I think there's a lot of things that that, that you should be looking out for because he could be an option for the Chiefs if you know maybe somewhere in the mid to late first round. So is he 100% playing in this game, though? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because weren't they going to play a week zero game just so he could be suspended that game? Didn't he have to? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I I thought that was. Let me see. I I thought it was that with, with him. But um, was there? Let's see. Mason Smith has been suspended. Suspended for the game? Uh, he's been suspended uh, Florida State game over improper benefit per reports. Yep. Okay. Well, so, 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 so you see the same thing? Yes. I think that's yes. true. But yeah. that's why they, they did. They did. You reportedly. Uh, I, it was reported on uh, Saturday's down on Saturday down south. That's why they were trying to squeeze in that. Yeah, they're trying to get zero that week game. Zero. suspended that game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a tough matchup for them, man. Like LSU's uh, LSU is going to be playing a very tough team in Florida State. So, um, but uh, that's a kid this year. You you definitely want to check out. Now, obviously, not going to play this weekend. ECU Michigan. Of all the players, they've got some good running backs there. They've got the quarterback who could be a first round quarterback. There's one kid, though, I think you want to watch out for if you're a Chiefs fan. Defensive tackle Chris Jenkins. This kid is a load. He is incredibly large. I mean, you're looking at him. He's 6'3", 285. Um, This is a kid who probably could put on a few more pounds, get up into that 300-plus pound range. He could play a one-tech if you really need him to. But at his current size, he's still a problem at that level. 
that's a guy I think you really want to watch out for. Yeah, because he does kind of like what Chris Jones does, defensive line, yes. slides over to the outside. He can so play, he the he can play all over the line. Which yeah. is, this is a Minnehue. This is Chris Jones. This is a guy inside and outside. Yes. I'm not saying he's that caliber. I'm yeah. saying that kind of approach. Which you're seeing more and more defensive tackles play on the edge. And one of the things you heard about Chris Jenkins, because last year they had, they had Mozzie Smith who ended up getting who reportedly the Chiefs wanted to trade up to go get. And Mozzie Smith, from what I've heard, has had a very good camp with the Cowboys. He has done very well. And I've heard that Chris Jenkins might be just as good, if not better, than Mozzie Smith. If that is the case, then he might be a shoe-in for the Chiefs in the first round if they could get him somewhere in that late first round. One thing about Jenkins, 13 games last year, 481 snaps. 40 tackles, 12 assists, 34 stops. As a pass rusher, he produced 19 total pressures, 15 quarterback hurries, two quarterback hits, and two sacks on the year. Yeah. I mean, you if you got a guy who is both very well-rounded as a pass rusher, generating a lot of pressures, and also is dominant in the run game, which sounds like Mozzie Smith to me, yep. is exactly what you want. So certainly those are the guys you want to watch. Um so now, going to end the show here talking about the biggest topics in regarding to the draft here as we, uh, as we close the show here. One of the big topics here is uh, Trey Lance, quarterback, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, ended up getting traded this weekend to the Dallas Cowboys. And you think this might be the worst draft trade ever well last time he really played was 2019 only had that one game in 2020 again i'm talking these covid quarterbacks man like zach wilson trey lance teams that bought into these this is scariest thing to buy into these quarterbacks chris three first round picks and i think the 49ers are getting the pass on this one it may be so because they've been in three of the last four well they've been three of the last four nfc title games right including a super bowl there but you're talking the third overall pick in the draft couldn't beat out sam darnold for your number two yeah, I don't think they're getting a pass. I think, they're getting I think a if they of the weren't doubt. so good as a football team, this would get a lot more attention. Well, it's getting attention. It was the top story this when it fireable happened. Type stuff. It, it it would but be fireable not, if you were bad. But the team's good. This is That's a solid team, good. But Trey Lance, it just it shows you also too how quickly teams ready to jettison from quarterbacks. Yeah, like here's Josh Rosen. He didn't leave. Okay, boom, going to somebody else. You know, Arizona's probably going to face this with Kyler Murray, too. Okay, boom, let's move. We didn't get the guy. We didn't get the Mahomes. We didn't get the Burrow type. We didn't get the Josh Allen type. Let's move on. You need somebody for a decade and a half. Everybody, Everybody's fascinated with that, and they should be. But again, Trey Lance, COVID quarterbacks, man, that did not have the experience of going out and playing a lot of games, it was a dart throw for a lot of these guys basing just on talent. and what. But again, we haven't seen production from him since 2019. Yeah. And this is the th- this is the reason why I wasn't a fan of the pick. I mean, I, I I respected the hustle. I respected them going out and trying to get better because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy you want to put your Super Bowl hopes on. To me, it's the same thing as when we in Kansas City were having our hopes in Alex Smith. It's like you're putting your hopes in a guy who has to have so many great things happen around him perfectly in order for him to be able to succeed at a high level. I brought this up, and I get some uh, the uh, Cody and Gold that we uh, I filled in for. And people say, no, Ricky Williams, okay. That was the entire draft. So it's like a third round, fourth. We're talking first round picks that are more valuable than your second, third, and fourth. And fifth. Ricky Williams still ran for five, five times. He ran for over 1,000 yards in the NFL, including one year of 1,800. So 
I'm not putting Ricky Williams was far more productive as a player than Trey Lance. Yeah, but that still wasn't a that was a terrible. That, I think that was a worse that, win that than Trey. That was what I'm saying. You got a lot more production out there than yeah, they ever got but from you, Trey Lance. But they never got a production equal to trading an entire draft's worth of picks. No, like that but, was not. That was I don't. I think I still think I still think Ricky Williams is the worst draft trade ever. Oh, yeah. I think I think I think I think you can I'm make going it, Trey Lance in the three first rounds. Yeah, I'll take I'll take I'll, getting beat out by Sam Darnold in the last pick of the draft. Oh yeah, hurting. we and and it was funny because um yeah it. At, you could tell very early on that Sam Darnold was better than Trey Lance. I feel bad for Lance, man, and hopefully he ends up somewhere else. Like, hopefully he ends up somewhere else where that's going to, like, he's going to be able to learn. I just don't think it's going to be Dallas. Yeah. Because Dallas isn't even doing things right with Dak Prescott. So I'm not convinced that Trey Lance is going to be. But I'll tell you this, man. Let's say it doesn't work out there. Why not the Chiefs? Why not the Chiefs go in there? He can work. He can learn from Patrick Mahomes. And if the Chiefs need him to be a good backup quarterback, I think that might be a good option. If, if the trust factors, I will say this. Didn't he work out with Mahomes in the offseason? Yeah, he like did. He seemed to be down there. He was at Camp Pad. Yeah. yeah, he was at Camp Pad. He was throwing around. Yeah. But, like, you know, he needs to be in a good offense, too. Yeah. And I'm I sure think the 49ers like, okay, yeah. how much rubbed off? Oh, no. Nothing <laughs> was going to rub off there. No, it was rubbed off. It was going to rub off after, what, two weeks in Dallas hanging out with Patrick Mahomes? That's not going to You happen. know, if Josh Allen never turned out to be anything, which he hadn't won anything yet, but he will, you might have to slide that Mahomes from the Bills pick to the other way. Again, they got to end up getting if, Josh if, Allen later on if a year If Allen later. turns out to be the next, like, Phillip Rivers. I guarantee you. I mean, they'll certainly be like, we love Josh Allen, but in the back of their minds, they'll be like, man, I wish we had more. I mean, 13 seconds, he comes <laughs> yeah. back and ties him up. And yeah. They, yeah, they beat him in the regular season, but in the postseason, they can't beat Mahomes. Like, they'll never admit it. They'll never admit it because we're going to be, you know, you know how weak Chiefs fans are. We're going to be a little saucy about it. And the funny thing is, it came from a rival, man. Here's yeah. Buffalo having to deal with this. They were not well, they a rival were the, before, but, but they, they gave are now. the Chiefs bombs. They did. They did. And the Chiefs needed a tackle for a while, and Orlando Brown came over from the Ravens, which the Ravens were trying to get to that level of the Chiefs. I yes. don't I, I don't blame them. I actually I'm actually now in hindsight, I'm actually I think that was a smart move by the Ravens. Well, that was a terrible trade for the Chiefs. Well, no, it was, it was a terrible trade. For the Chiefs. I don't think so. Because I think it was. They needed a left tackle because they didn't get Trent Williams. I'll say yes. this though. But Nick Bolton came over because it was pick fifty eight. The Chiefs used that pick to grab Nick Bolton. Yeah, okay, okay. So because that, of the Orlando Brown trade, they did get that's Nick Bolton. That's a good point. So that's a good Nick point. Bolton was second in the NFL in tackles. That's so. a, and the Chiefs were very smart in maneuvering to get so that they not only get a left pick. tackle for two years, yeah. including one that won the Super Bowl. They got Nick Bolton. If they had not gotten that pick, though, <laughs> yeah. if they had not gotten that pick, that second round pick out of that deal, that would have been. It's just funny how the two biggest trade. rivals helped the Chiefs. Because I, I told you, I've said this before, Chris. Back when. Um, <clears throat> Bill Belichick was on a roll and he needed a left tackle. If he ever would have called about Eric Fisher or something, Andy Reid would have been like, Bill, this is the Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking that phone call. We're not yeah. helping you out. You need one position and we're not helping you. Yeah. It should always be the philosophy. Don't help out your rivals. Yeah. I mean, though, the thing is, is a lot of teams don't think about, they're not thinking about, oh, we're helping them. They're like, oh, I'm about to get one over on this dude. Don't like, about I'm about to get one over on this dude. Because I guarantee you that's how the Ravens were kind of thinking, too. Is like, oh, we're about to get hey, one Beach over is, on Beach is going to start get that reputation. When he calls, like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, it was funny. I was this morning, I was reading, uh, they did an agent survey. Yeah. And like everyone, like of the GMs out there, Howie Roseman had the, had the most votes for like best overall GM in the league. Right behind him, though, was Brett Veach. 
The agents know that man is a very, very, very good businessman. They know he's a shrewd operator. They know he knows how to evaluate talent. He's not going to cave on contracts No, And that's the thing I think is going to be really interesting to see because he loves to trade people. And especially after that move with Tyreek Hill last year, they traded him away and got Five picks from the I mean, Dolphins. When you prove you can win them without your best receiver, it's what Chris Jones is battling against, too, that it's yeah. the beat just so good. And the other thing, too, is, as we mentioned, 21 of the last 22 picks, Chris, are still in the roster. And we'll find out about this rookie class. Cornell Powell's gone. Okay, we'll see. But, 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 He's but, gone. But as we sit right now, 21 of 22, well, nobody can say that over this span. Nobody, And that no. includes the COVID year. 21 and 22, when we saw COVID guys getting cut all the time, third and fourth round picks. And we talked about that. And it's, yeah, it so, was going to be so hard for teams to evaluate talent with COVID. Exactly. And we saw so many third rounders, you know, cut and moved. And finally, Jalen Carter, proving everybody wrong. Interesting guy. We talked about on character concerns with the draft because here was a guy that many people looked at, maybe the number one overall pick. And we say, okay, well, teams are punishing him because, you know, of the off the field. We thought so, he might be the third overall pick in the draft behind the quarterback. But I said, wait till three years from now or whatever, and you're going to say, oh my gosh. They just passed on the most dominant defensive lineman in the NFL. They fairly chose not to do that. Yeah. And this guy's going to prove people wrong because, and again, it was kind of a punishment teams were doing. But eventually somebody was taking him, Chris. And we're saying, all right, the team that takes him is going to be pretty damn thankful that they took him, but Jalen Carter is going to be an absolute beast. Yeah, I think so, too. I, he was a guy I was very high on. I understand teams dis, you know, punning on drafting him because, look, we all – nobody wants to be the team that uses a top-10 pick on a player that ends up in trouble off the field. You could have no punted one, on Aaron Donald. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> But like, we don't know nobody wants to be the team that makes that mistake. And a lot of teams are so worried about guys off the field. And I think that there is very reasonable, it's very reasonable to doubt that a kid's going to grow up because, I mean, hell, at the collegiate level, you should be doing a lot of growing up when you go from high school to college. But if you can, and so many guys do grow up, and you're talking about consensus right. all-American, you're talking yeah, about he's very talented. defensive player on, on Georgia, back-to-back national champions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. very so talented kid. It was I a risk that, uh, again, that's why Howie Roseman's up there where he is, because he takes uh and and risk. that's and that's the reason why like the the Eagles actually he takes every damn Georgia he does he just takes every Georgia player you know but uh but yeah I mean it's the reason why though the Chiefs and the, the Eagles have been at or near the top of the league for years now because they take risks on players who do have character concerns like that character um, concerns yeah, we yeah. saw that with Tyree Kill Tyree Kill panned out very well we saw it with Travis Kelsey Travis Kelsey got kicked off his team when he was at Cincy ended up getting his way back on the team. He definitely showed some problems early in his in his Chiefs career. He was a knucklehead for years. And what Andy Reid said when he yeah. called him, don't screw this up. Yeah, you remember 2015, people wanted his ass off the team. 2016, they wanted him off the team because he was not mature. And then all of a sudden, in 2017, everything clicked. He turned into the best tight end in football. And then by 2018, him and Mahomes, their marriage was really solidified. And at that point, it was, it was off to the races. I mean, this is... I, I, I understand teams being a little reticent to take risk on guys with character concerns, but at the end of the day, this is the reason why teams like the Chiefs win football games and win so many of them. Yeah, you say, is it fixable? Yeah. Is this something we can fix? Is this a deep-rooted problem? Mm-hmm. Is this something that could be switched around leadership on our football team and switch that leadership is so important, man. 
it is so important on a different on a di- kind of a different topic, Chris. Just real quick, um, something I you know I don't know if you've seen the Matt Stafford thing going around or whatever when his wife has that podcast right talking about his, he didn't know his his teammates. Did you hear about all this? Where no, he's talking about an equipment guy to take a, a a pegboard and put pictures with the names right to go hang out. Yeah, how the guy young guys are on their phones all the time and yeah. stuff, and yeah. you don't get to know them. And was thinking about you know leadership and how important it is. Like, like Bryce Young, the number one pick in the draft that went to Carolina, I think he's going to have success because there's there's a quotient that I think all quarterbacks need that people have to like you, right? And the Bengals like they like Joe Burrow, and the players here love Patrick Mahomes. They like playing video games with them, yeah. They like hanging out, going to camp, Pat. But if you watch that preseason game, like Michelle and Gabbert were throwing a, re- you know, it was Mahomes like the first guy there. He was, like, a he was coach. like the first guy out there, and then Amir Smith, Marset makes a big play. There's Mahomes. It's yeah. like I mean, he's the two-time MVP. He's yeah. the two-time Super Bowl MVP. He could have probably put street clothes on in that game. Where's his uniform? And he's like the first dude there. Even when he's doing his interview, he, he sees an interception. Goes, oh, he's got an interception. He loves football, and guys like playing for guys like that. I think it's incredibly important when we look at the draft and some of these quarterbacks. Who has that leadership quotient that people want to play for? How well do you know your teammates? Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that. Like, and this is the reason why. Like, for me, when I look at quarterbacks and I see. How the like? I don't think you need to be that type with Mahomes, but I think it could give you an advantage because it builds chemistry. Chemistry is so underrated in sports. I talk about. I think it, I talk about it all the time with like basketball, especially like the NBA. Like we see all the time, you'll see players like teams with like two or three superstars on them, and then years later we ask why it didn't work. Like when Carmelo Anthony and and Allen Iverson played together in Denver, I was like, well, why didn't that work? Well, it's because. Both of those guys wanted to be the star, and there's only a spot for one guy to be the leader of the team. And you can't have two leaders of the team like that in that situation because no. they both want to be the just the one. And so when I look at this Chiefs team, I don't see a team full of guys who want to be the one. I see guys who understand Patrick's on top. It's his team. But Patrick is not, hey, this is about me. Patrick is like, it's about y'all. He's always talking about the team first, the offensive line, the receivers, the running back, the coaches. Andy's like that. Andy's one of those guys, he'll take a bullet for his coordinators, even if it's their fault. He'll take a – remember when he lied and said that uh, that he called the second half of that Tennessee game when it, when uh, yep. when Doug Peterson was there? And he called – I mean, was, uh, not Doug Peterson, um, Matt Nagy was there, and he called that atrocious second half. And he was like, oh, no, that I called the second half. I called all the bad plays. He took, he took heat for that, even though, like, a great first half, second half, it was obviously a terrible, very conservatively run second half. He took a bullet for Matt Nagy in that situation. you got to find a way to connect. Again, this, yeah. this article about Stafford says, so far it's been an issue for Matt Stafford, who has found it hard to connect with the many rookies and new faces on the Rams roster this year, according to his wife, Kelly. And keep in mind, Demarcus Robinson, one of those guys out there, he's, yeah. he, she says, but it's like, I don't know how to lead people I have no connection with. I have to somehow find a way to connect with with the players. So that's what she had said. Um, and he, he supposedly went to the equipment staff to print out a Facebook so that he could remember everyone's name and make an attempt to get to know them. But, um, yeah. Um, He's clearly not doing enough to go out there and, and get to know his guys and work to try and build chemistry. But now they get out of practice and meetings during training camp and they go straight to their phones. No one looks up from their phones. 
again, you got to find a way to adapt, man. Yeah. Ned Yost with the Royals. Ned Yost is one of those old school guys I know, too. But he he got along with the young guys because play whatever music you want. Just be you. He'd give them nicknames and Esky and and Hodge. If you want to play video games or watch TV or listen to music, Yeah, he was all about it. And the biggest thing is he showed trust in those guys. And that's why they liked him. Because all those guys had doubts in themselves and their abilities. He built them up even though he had no reason to believe in these guys because they hadn't done it before. This is his wife saying it, not him. But I'm sure there's a symbolic of truth to it. His wife shouldn't be talking about that stuff in in public. Because I don't know what's worse. Her having a podcast telling the stuff where the guy's on their phones. The phone stuff I think is overblown. Who cares? I I, I think that's overblown. I think it's just he doesn't know how to connect to those guys. Everybody does that. So who cares? Yeah. So like same thing. I guarantee you the same thing happens in the Chiefs locker room. But Mahomes has a connection with those guys. So I don't think that's a valid That's the number one thing I'm looking for in the draft yeah can especially with quarterbacks can do guys like you do they want to play with you right. do, I, do i see you as a team leader mm-hmm. will guys follow you and play hard for you yeah i mean they, they get that with certain guys like nick bolton's one of those guys people follow him yes people people you need that people want to play with that guy and they yeah. listen to him and and for him as a second year player to be the captain of that defense yeah. and go out there and dominate on the field and help push those guys up yeah yeah that's that's a big sign there so I, I do think that's a that's a great point to talk about here, and it's one of the things that I think gives the Chiefs such a big advantage over all of those other teams out there is the connection that Mahomes has with his teammates and the fact that he just seems to get the most out of his guys. Because last year, when everybody thought that they were going to fall off after the Tyree kill trade, they seemed it, it, just it, fine. Hey, I've been saying, you know, you got to be close to the group. Just like take MVS's softball tournament he had over the summer. Yep. Like 30 Everybody guys. was there. Mahomes was there. Like even Drew Tranquil, these new yeah. guys were at these deals. Mahomes, like you said, Mahomes was there. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to do that. Didn't I mean, have to do that. He wanted to do it to be with his teammates. Yeah. But, you know, he's the MVP of the NFL. Right. Number one player in the NFL. But that's the Chiefs, though. That's getting along with your coworkers and building something chemistry teams fight hard to build chemistry with right. the teams. hey well let's take a day off a training camp and i'll go bowling like marty shot and i right. okay that's great but are they just going bowling to hang out for that day and get out of practice or do they genuinely like are they being a family with each other yeah that you got to build a family atmosphere there and that's, that's the one thing i'm looking for in these yeah, draft picks me too so i i i think that that is something that we got to look out for here certainly chemistry very underrated That's it for this week's episode of the Character Concerns podcast. Next week, we're going to have our week one college football reactions. Going to be very interesting to see what happens with uh, with some of these prospects here. I think all uh, certainly like all the DTs, all of the offensive tackles, going to be very interesting to watch there. Some shakeup in the Heisman too. A lot of shakeup in the Heisman. Going at it, yeah, could yeah. LSU, Florida State, going to have the guys who had the, the. second and third best odds yep. to win the Heisman going against each other. Um, we'll get your, we'll get reaction to that. We'll obviously keep you updated on the prospects to watch for in the week two matchups. Plus on top of that, any other big stories that come out of the world of college football, we'll have you ready for that for Jay Binkley. I'm Christian Ocero, and this was, has been the character concerns podcast.